Content provided by the people. Right here on 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Wednesday, October 12th. As temperatures cool, Ameren has pledged an additional $250,000 to help natural gas customers clear 90% of their overdue payments so they can start the season with a clean slate. Eligible customers pay just 10% of the past due balance, and the Clean Slate program covers the remaining overdue balance. More information at AmerenMissouri.com slash Clean Slate. A Savannah, Missouri man was injured in a crash off of Highway 135. 39-year-old Joshua Atkins was driving an ATV up a steep embankment. Atkins made an immediate left turn and the vehicle overturned several times. Atkins sustained serious injuries and was transported by the Mid-County Ambulance District to Lake Regional Hospital. Suits for Soldiers is this Saturday at the Osage Beach Elks Lodge. All active military and veterans are invited to come receive a free suit, shirt, and so much more. There will be live music, food, and entertainment, plus partner organizations dedicating to supporting military men and women. The event starts at 9 in the morning at the Elks Lodge in Osage Beach. More information and registration at SuitsForSoldiersLakeOfTheOzarks.com. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from lakeexpo.com. Lakeexpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Toe. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Wednesday. Happy Hump Day. Major League Baseball playoffs continue with National League Division Series today. Phillies and Braves, Padres and Dodgers, they got those best of five series off and running yesterday. The American League Division Series taking a break until tomorrow. The uh, Cleveland team and the Yankees and the Mariners and Astros got their series started yesterday. High school football Friday is on the way, and what a game Camdenton's got. 7-0 Camdenton at home against 7-0 Lebanon. Undefeated teams playing for the conference championship and probably a first-round bye in the playoffs. You can see that game Friday night on Lake TV, the COMC pregame show at 6.15, the uh, kickoff at 7 o'clock, Camdenton and Lebanon, both teams 7-0 and on Lake TV Friday night. Osage rides a four-game win streak there at home to Southern Boone Friday. Eldon is at California Versailles, home against Booneville Friday night. College football, Georgia back up to number one this week in the poll. Ohio State's at two. Alabama dropped to three after surviving last week. A last-second scare against Texas A&M. Both Mizzou and MSU have this weekend off. As for hockey, that's right, hockey. 
The Blues open the regular season Saturday at home against Columbus. Hey, KB is on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns. 7.02 a.m., 5.02 and 11.02 p.m. every day. Be sure to check him out. Lake TV bringing you five local lake area shows, including the high school football coaches show with Camden's and Lakers coach Jeff Shore, Osage Indians coach Shannon Jolly talking about last week's win, talking about this week's game. Of course, Camdenton getting ready for Lebanon. Hear what Jeff Shore's got to say about that. You can see the high school football coaches show Tuesdays through Fridays at 10, 2, and 6 every single day. And, of course, you can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90, absolutely free on Roku and Amazon Fire Stick, and streaming live all the time on MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Wednesday. Portions of our programming on Key Radio made possible thanks to Lake TV. Lake TV is your hometown local TV station featuring Cup of Coffee with Will and Chris, What's Burning with KB, live high school sports, real estate, dining, boating, and of course the annual Lake of the Ozarks shootout. Lake TV on Como Connect, Channel 90, Roku, YouTube, Facebook and Instagram, and of course online at MyLakeTV.com. If it's happening at the lake, it's happening on Lake TV. This is Bill Munhausen for Creation Expo. Geologic theories have one great void. Whereas they try to explain structures like Grand Canyon, they have no unified theory tying together all of Earth's features. Dr. Walt Brown has such a theory. His hydroplate theory proposes Earth's crustal plates were supported by vast reservoirs of water under extreme pressure. The biblical flood began with a rift in the crust circling the planet, releasing fountains of subterranean water mixed with sediments into the atmosphere. Continental plates rapidly slid away from each other and continue settling into position today. It explains mid-ocean ridges, mountain ranges parallel to those ridges, the jigsaw fit of continents, ocean trenches, sedimentary and metamorphic rocks, and even the ice age, meteorites, and radioactivity. The Genesis flood began when the fountains of the Great Deep erupted. Creationists use historical clues from the Bible to fill in the voids in geology.
It's your daily dose of news, sports, weather, and more with KB on The Daily Show. Weekdays starting at 8 a.m., heard again at 4 p.m., and again at midnight on 89.3 The Key. All right, here we are. It is 8.08, and another beautiful day at the Lake of the Ozarks, getting a little of that uh, much-needed rain. And as I take a look at the forecast this morning, I can tell you that uh, some of this rain may cause a little flash flooding, depending on where you're at and the overall rain conditions. We have uh, we have received some heavy rain this morning, earlier this morning, but as of today, becoming partly cloudy after some morning rain, thunder possible as well, and a high near 70. A clear sky tonight, the low of 44 degrees. Uh, sunny at 66 tomorrow, mostly sunny, and 73 on Friday, partly cloudy, and 75 on Saturday, and then partly cloudy and 67 on Sunday, and uh, we start the following week with plenty of sunshine on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, a few clouds on Thursday and Friday, and then back to mostly sunny. The interesting thing would be the temperatures for mid-October, 57, as I said, on uh, Monday and 53 degrees the high on Tuesday. Great shorts wearing weather. 62 now in Osage Beach, 64 in Camdenton as we broadcast live from the world headquarters of SRG Financial Advisors. Thanks to all of you for tuning in on 89.3. KeyRadio.live and of course our free apps for the iPhone and Android phone. And for those of you joining us on the SRG Financial Advisors Key Radio in-studio live cam, you can see myself and the one and only, he is the next presiding commissioner of Camden County, Ike Skelton. Hold on, I want to use this this morning. (laughs) And the studio audience goes wild. Didn't think we could afford a studio audience. Didn't think nah, we could put one in the studio. No, nah, that's for sure. They, actually, you don't see them because they're on the other side of the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've, we've knocked out a wall and put it in an area for that's a studio audience. That's right, that's right. Good morning, brother. How are you doing? Good morning. Well, radio is no longer with the advent and insert of cameras. Uh, it is no longer theater of the mind no right you used to say you have a face for uh, radio and now you know i mean you have to have a face for radio and tv radio and tv and speaking of which we'll be doing all of our in-studio shooting today over at uh, lake tv for the upcoming edition of what's burning some things i can tell you about include none other than uh, uh twisted tonys we were out of twisted tonys here uh, about a week or so ago and uh, we had the opportunity to watch um, Anthony Greenbelt make the one and only Cubano, which uh, is smoked pork, cherry wood smoked ham, provolone cheese, pickles, mustard, and their homemade jalapeno bacon jam. You were talking about that last week when I was on, and I think you're really still excited about that. I am. That's great. I got man. a little sample of the uh, bacon, jalapeno bacon jam, and I took that home and put it on a cracker. And oh, it's all she wrote, huh? Baby. Whole new love affair, <laughs> baby. Uh, good. Good, good for morning, you, uh, good morning, good morning. We'll also have a uh, a group that is trying to put together a place for folks to grab a meal, 
It's called Our Father's Table. They're going to be in uh, Eldon. 214 South Mill Street in Eldon, just down from Gerbs. If you're familiar with the layout of the city of Eldon there, the downtown area. Uh, a couple of nice folks, uh, Gabe Kane and um, uh, Monica Taylor is who we met. And they are uh, in the process of putting together a place, uh, you know, if uh, folks need a meal, they're uh, going to start supplying supper. And then they hope to be able to graduate to two to three meals a day for folks. But it is a huge, huge, huge task. And uh, we wish them well. And we hope that uh, with the uh, opportunity to show off the the facility there, that uh, they get some help. Get some help from the community. Uh, Homelessness is, is certainly a problem here at the lake like it is everywhere around the country. And, uh, you know, they want to be able to provide meals for people, certainly uh, kids, but uh, everyone that uh, would like to partake in the facility. They hope, in, uh, they hope rather to open their doors after the first of the year, which would make sense the winter months when things are really tight and tough. Sure. And so hats off to uh, these wonderful folks at Our Father's Table. Uh, also, we'll do uh, a Furry Friends segment with Annika, I believe is the uh, kitten. And it's an interesting story because they found this kitten and somebody found it uh, in a in a car. It was in the engine block. Ooh. And uh, this little kitten had sustained some pretty serious injuries and required surgery to the jaw and to the lip. Hmm. And this was when the cat was 9 or the kitten was 9 weeks old. It is now what 13, 14, 15 weeks old and is doing well, has a lot of energy, has already had a tough life and would just like a good home. And then I think maybe I'll throw in a segment uh, about something. I don't know what that is. Maybe we'll talk about uh, Tulsi Gabbard departing the Democratic Party because she said it is an elitist cabal. Uh-huh. Yes, yes. Well, somebody from the inside should really know what it's about. And, I guess. Uh, just beware. Beware. I mean, she uh, she fits in with pretty much modern-day Republicans, but she is no conservative, so let's not be uh, disillusioned here, guys. This is true. Very true. Good morning to Alan, Matthew, James, and Joe, who are all checking in with us this morning on our SRG Financial Advisors in-studio live camera. Anything fun and exciting as you continue your quest to um, become the next presiding commissioner of Camden County? Well, you know, uh, it's fun for me, I guess, kind of, but uh, some of it seems mundane, too, going through some budget processes and uh, sat in on the uh, commission meeting yesterday, which is, um, you know, very uh, it's a very big deal what's going on right now in Camden County. Uh, when it comes to uh, the money for roads going out to the Horseshoe Bend Special Road District and Osage Beach and Osage Beach Special Road District. And, um, you know, the collector brings in the money and uh, then has to distribute it out. And then, and uh, well, they figure out where it's supposed to go. And then the treasurer writes checks, you know, whatever. But um, there was a new computer program brought in. 18, I think, or 18 or 19. Right. And uh, it seems as though this is where uh, I'm, I'm, a friend of mine and I were pondering that this might be the issue. We don't know. Nobody knows yet. We're going to have to look at it. But it's a, it's a possibility that 
the computer, so it was all done manually, right? And there were certain amounts going out. And then this computer program came in, and it helped figure out where the money goes and to help distribute it. And then this is when things started being a little bit different for those districts. So we're wondering, just to ponder, uh, were they maybe getting overpaid before? Uh-huh. And now that the computer's got it straight and can really see where things are supposed to go, now they're getting what they're actually supposed to get, which is underpaid from what they thought they should be getting. Um, so it's going to be, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a long, a, a little bit of a journey for the auditors to find out exactly what's going on. And uh, But I think it'll be um, okay in the long run. It'll pan out all right. I don't think that anything nefarious is happening. I think it's just uh, uh, some sort of a little... Uh, um, I don't know, a misdirection or a, and I'll tell you what, it is, it's, it's amazing to see just how complicated the taxing structure in this state, and I'm sure any state is just as complicated in how many different taxing districts they are and the percentages that they get. And then you have special districts. Then you have the state getting their portion and, and, and where the money comes from and then where it's got to go. And some doesn't go over here, but more goes over here. And some people don't get a portion of that tax, but they get a portion of this tax. And I have to admit, it, it is a, it's, it's pretty daunting to think about. I can't imagine how they used to do it without a computer, hardly. Right. Um, but uh, so there'll be some interesting things to look in there. And I think that anytime you open up, uh, you know, open up things and, and see how public entities are working is a good thing because, um, you know, even if, you know, there aren't any serious problems, there's always, I think, ways of finding there's always ways of finding how to do something better, you know? Absolutely. Um, even though, you know, and, and you hear this a lot in government, and maybe you hear that a lot in business, too, private business. Well, this is just the way we've always done it. And it seems to work just fine uh, until it doesn't, right? And then you got to figure out why it hasn't been working so fine and then redo it. So uh, I think there will be a few challenges like that in the future. Um, we're seeing a couple of issues with... Uh, trying to retain folks in uh, certain positions in the county, mostly because of the uh, lack of pay. So we're uh, trying to figure out how to bump up some of those positions um, <clears throat> to get people paid better so that they'll stick around and do the job. Uh-huh. Uh, one great thing that uh, um, an employee might have when it comes to the county, um, you know, you maybe the paycheck isn't as high as you can go get somewhere else, but you have to look at a uh, uh, the package benefit that you get from the county. And it's my understanding, and I'm going to figure out how this works. Uh, someone told me that there are actually two retirement uh, strings that you can run on in the county. So I don't I don't know about that, but I'll, I'll I'm going to do a little more digging. But you know, uh, the county is a good place to work. Uh, you get some experience there, and uh, there's great people that work there. And I think, like I said, with the benefits and some other things going on, um, it, it, it's going to be a good thing. We're going to try to bump up some of the hourly rates on a couple jobs um, and see what we can do. But um, you know, there's only so much to work with in any budget. <clears throat> you got so much to work with, and you got to be able to prioritize things. Now, I wanted to uh, bring something to the table here. Yesterday, we had uh, uh, the Camdenton City Administrator Jeff, Jeff Hooker, Hooker uh-huh. and we had uh, the developer of this uh, proposed apartment complex, 
His name is Titus Williams. The day before, we had a concerned citizen in. Her name is Sherry Morris. And uh, we were talking about uh, various aspects of this uh, apartment complex, what they're planning on doing, uh, what they'd like to see done. And last night, they had a, a meeting at the Camden City Hall, and they invited the developer in, and they invited concerned citizens to stop by. And so... Um, Sherry Morris gave me an update uh, this morning, said they voted no to the rezoning. Now it goes to the alderman. So I guess we'll have to wait and see just exactly how all that is uh, going to play out. But uh, I think the um, the backup plan was uh, if the uh, apartment complex does not get approved, then they would uh, put in office space. So maybe we could get some uh, some businesses in there. But uh, that, that area is interesting for what they want to do. That large of a building to me, <clears throat> um, you know, I think one of my biggest concerns in that area, and, I, and I'm not as familiar with that one as I was with Osage Beach because right. um, it doesn't sound like they're asking for a whole bunch of kickbacks and tiffs and other things on, on this development in Camden, I don't believe. I could be wrong. Um, but um, it's a big building, and there, you know, you've been through that cut through a thousand times. Do you see the traffic from that large of a building really being, uh, you know, good going through the cut through there and and that whole area? Look at that infrastructure of traffic that I kind of think of, and and um, you know, that's going to be, I don't know, I, I don't even remember. They were weren't they talking about uh, was it a couple of hundred rooms? On the apartment complex, and that was only sixty something on this one, I think. I don't remember, uh, but it's supposed to be a big building, and it seems like a lot of people. So I don't know. Well, I mean, parking you know. is is, is yeah, there's an issue one of the too. Concerns, you know? and of course, uh, getting through there uh, in the event of an emergency, the um, the need to maybe expand on that road a little bit. Uh, there were some issues about the, the flooding that uh, takes place when we uh, get a rain uh, rainfall of um, some significance. Uh, I want to say good morning to uh, Jim and Amber and Misty, who are joining us as well on our uh, live feed. Good morning, folks. And thank you for uh, for tuning in. But uh, this project itself, um, you know, and, and we talked about the term affordable housing. And affordable housing... He, as he, as Ike Skelton scoffs at the term. Because that term is, I, I don't well, know, it's it, what everybody it, uses. I get it. It's, get it. it's different fine. strokes for different folks. And, uh, again, we have to make sure that we understand what affordable housing is. There's affordable housing, and then there is what they call low-income housing. And I know that there is a, a difference in the two. Uh, but I guess if I was uh, hearing the developer right yesterday, he said that a single uh, bedroom apartment would start at $900, which I think is relatively decent considering uh, what it is people have to deal with. Now, I will tell you that I had been paying on a house I was living in in Camdenton uh, a very, 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 very good rate as far as uh, the rent at the time. And so, I mean, I can understand where these apartments, you know, they'll provide some amenities and uh, some other things. But uh, certainly, uh, this is um, this is something to, to, to think about and ponder. And will we see more of these types of developments going up in various places around the lake? They have a very nice development over there around O-Road. 
I don't know if you've been uh, yes. in the old road area. Yes, those apartments Loring. there. Those apartments Absolutely. Are very, very nice. Very, they look very, 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 very nice. Yes. And and as is the case with a lot of folks, you have to fill out uh, the paperwork and the references and all of sure. those other things. And that's uh, standard. That, that's always, yeah, always been in place. So we um, we hope that, uh, you know, things work out and people uh, uh, definitely, uh, you know, get this uh, moving along in, in, in some way, shape, or form. And then, of course, there is the acreage uh, behind Walmart that they're looking at opening up. They've mm-hmm. talked about uh, some things that they might do there, including some uh, homes, uh, uh, I believe a hotel, uh, some businesses. They've got a, they've got a fantastic array of, of variable things they want to do in that stretch of area. And the one thing that, uh, that I get concerned about, and I think a lot of people do, is do we want the concrete jungle to come to the Lake of the Ozarks? And when I say that, uh, you get these developments that you see in other cities, in in, in probably some of the bigger cities, where they have these uh, multi... uh, What's the right word I'm looking for here? Um, Multi-use developments where you have homes and you have hotels and you have shops and you have businesses and maybe some other things that would be of interest to the community. But then does it begin to go a little overboard? Because the Lake of the Ozarks has always traditionally been known. Uh, and uh, and I think uh, a lot of these um, big box stores and franchise businesses that are here now have, uh, well, built themselves off the blood, sweat, and tears of the foundation, and the foundation being the mom-and-pop business. And, you know, we... We like that sort of thing. We uh, we really like to patronize our mom and pop businesses. A lot of our friends and neighbors and family members uh, are the business owners. So are we moving more away from that type of a situation where you've got the mom and pop businesses uh, to bring in some of the modern conveniences that people want. Because a lot of people that live here at the Lake of the Ozarks aren't necessarily from the area. They are transplants, myself included. And so... What you have to consider and keep in mind is, do we want progress, or are we willing to just settle for what we have? Because I hear people complain all the time, oh, we don't have enough restaurants that stay open in the evening in Camdenton. You know, uh, you know they're talking about uh, Culver's going in behind Quick Car. Yep. Uh, they're going to be breaking ground for that. Uh, you know, and are we seeing a lot of the same restaurants and places to eat, you know, that we see in other communities. Would we like something different? Uh, you know, you've got certain franchise restaurants that seem to pop up uh, all over the place all the time. As a matter of fact, you can drive the stretch of 54 from the lake area and then cross over 65 and pick it up. And I can tell you at least three restaurants that you will see in most of these towns, no matter what size they are, <laughs> McDonald's, Taco Bell, and Sonic. And then there's a good possibility you'll have a Dollar General of two sure. in, these, uh, in these cities as well. They provide relatively... Uh, decent prices on food and merchandise. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, of course, you've got the cities that are a little bit bigger that can uh, uh, can, can have a Walmart or something like that. And uh, as is the case, you know, people love to shop at Walmart. But then we have that big argument about uh, Walmart selling a lot of uh, items that are manufactured in places like China. And then we have problems. You know, people say, well, don't buy all that uh, merchandise from China. I don't think you could go in your home right now and not find at least, 
you know, half the items or more that you own that say made in China on them. So what do we do? Uh, are we conscious about where they're manufactured or are we conscious about price? And I think with what we're dealing with as far as the economy and inflation and various other factors, people are more situated on price than they are about where an item is manufactured, and then they complain about, well, we've got all this merchandise in the store from China, and we can't handle that. We need more American-made businesses, American-manufactured products. Well, you know, so one half dozen with that. Right. Sure, of course. And uh, that's always the balance, right? We want to try to find something that's relatively inexpensive, yet at the same time, we hope it's made in America. Or the biggest thing to me is it's relatively inexpensive and it actually works and lasts. Yeah. I don't much well, care. There's the you know, key right there. I, I don't mind paying a little bit more if it's going to work better um, and or it's made in the United States, maybe. But. How much more, right? Mm-hmm. You know, ten percent, twenty percent, fifty percent. I don't again, know. You're, but, you you yeah. you hit the nail on the head when you mm-hmm. talked about longevity. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And how long it's going to last? And it, and it's all an individual shoppers thing, you know. And and uh, it comes back to affordability, I guess. If you can't afford the the better product, but you got to have whatever it is, you go get what you can get. So. Um, you know, you asked a lot of questions there, and I think development in an area is always a big deal. When I lived down in Lebanon, you know, they they say it's Lebanon's the friendliest small town, you know, what have you, and and uh, Lebanon is a, a fairly small, friendly town. Yet at the same time, and you have the same problem up here at the lake. Everybody talks about development and growing and having this come in and that come in and do different things. So there's a point in time where do you want to be the smallest friendly town? Do you want to be the quiet little vacation spot or do you want to expand from that quiet that friendly little town and maybe the bigger you get maybe it won't be quite as friendly because you're not as small anymore or something you know uh when you consider the lake area do we want to continue to expand and get bigger and become more branson-esque as it were uh because that's always the argument if it doesn't come here it's going to go to branson right well now the thing about that rubric they use is branson is more of an entertainment venue, and the lake is more of a let's go vacation and fish and uh, get out. And, so far, uh, enjoy right now uh, the parks and the hiking and the bike trails and things like that. But a good case in point, Columbia, Missouri, I think at one point was one of the fastest growing cities in the country. And if you go to Columbia, Missouri today, it's like, oh my gosh, it's just exploded in terms of, you know, all the various businesses and franchises and things that they have there, and with good reason. Um, you know, you've got, uh, you know, what, three universities, Columbia College, Stevens College, University of Missouri, uh, maybe more there now. And you've got all the college students and what appeals to them. And, uh, of course, you've got a lot of young professionals that graduate from college and get biz- uh, get jobs there at uh, some of the local businesses. Uh, you've got, uh, again, the continued need for housing and not necessarily just affordable housing. I mean, they've got some pretty uh, elaborate, elite-looking uh, apartment complexes and condo complexes in uh, in Columbia as well. And will we eventually begin to see that sort of a transition here at the Lake of the Ozarks? Are we happy with what we have? Do we stop at a particular spot? Uh, or do we continue to grow and let the dollars roll in, thus uh, uh, creating more sales tax and, and various other things so that the lake... Uh, can have its um, its particular piece of the pie? I don't know. That is a good question for our listeners this morning. And i uh, love to get their thoughts at 573-633-5395. We've got a break coming up now here at this uh, juncture. This juncture. It is... Um, 
Caller, I'm going to take your call, but I'm going to leave you on hold through the break, which is going to be about seven and a half minutes. If you want to sit there, that's fine. If not, you can give us a call back. Stacy Johnson, who is providing us with information through our media partners at LakeExpo.com, and also Chris Schneider, who is providing us with a check of sports from yet another one of our media partners, Lake TV. And I just want to send out uh, our thoughts and prayers to Stacy. Her father recently passed away, and we are all saddened by the news. And certainly, Stacy uh, and her family will be uh, in our thoughts and prayers for the uh, days and weeks to come. But uh, uh, sorry to hear the very, very sad news. Our condolences go out to you, Stacy, and your family. 831, let us get into information as we have it for you. Plus, we'll update the weather forecast. We'll take your phone calls. We'll talk more with Ike Skelton. And on the other side of the break, I'll tell you what the topic of conversation will be at 910 when we usher in the true history professor. And that is the one, the only, Jim Paisley, right here on Key Radio. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Wednesday, October 12th. As temperatures cool, Ameren has pledged an additional $250,000 to help natural gas customers clear 90% of their overdue payments so they can start the season with a clean slate. Eligible customers pay just 10% of the past due balance, and the Clean Slate program covers the remaining overdue balance. More information at AmerenMissouri.com slash Clean slate. A Savannah, Missouri man was injured in a crash off of Highway 135. 39-year-old Joshua Atkins was driving an ATV up a steep embankment. Atkins made an immediate left turn and the vehicle overturned several times. Atkins sustained serious injuries and was transported by the Mid-County Ambulance District to Lake Regional Hospital. Suits for Soldiers is this Saturday at the Osage Beach Elks Lodge. All active military and veterans are invited to come receive a free suit, shirt, and so much more. There will be live music, food, and entertainment, plus partner organizations dedicating to supporting military men and women. The event starts at 9 in the morning at the Elks Lodge in Osage Beach. More information and registration at Suits for Soldiers, Lake of the Ozarks.com. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com. The goal of Key Radio is to offer the community an opportunity to share information and to express their ideas and opinions. Key Radio presents a platform for all types of information. We encourage interested content providers to create podcasts that explain the finer points of business, family issues, arts and entertainment, religion, government, and more. Key Radio is also looking for unique and one-of-a-kind podcasts as well. Key Radio is based on positive and productive podcasts that encourage and inspire our listeners to become engaged in their community. For more information on becoming a content provider, call 573-280-0532 or go to keygatheringplace.com slash keyradio. You're listening to 89.3 The Key.
Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Wednesday. Happy Hump Day. Major League Baseball playoffs continue with National League Division Series today. Phillies and Braves, Padres and Dodgers, they got those best-of-five series off and running yesterday. The American League Division Series taking a break until tomorrow. The uh, Cleveland team and the Yankees and the Mariners and Astros got their series started yesterday. High school football Friday is on the way, and what a game Camdenton's got. 7-0 Camdenton at home against 7-0 Lebanon. Undefeated teams playing for the conference championship, and Probably a first-round buy in the playoffs. You can see that game Friday night on Lake TV. The COMC pregame show at 6.15. The uh, kickoff at 7 o'clock. Camdenton and Lebanon, both teams 7-0 and on Lake TV Friday night. Osage rides a four-game win streak there at home to Southern Boone Friday. Eldon is at California Versailles, home against Booneville Friday night. College football, Georgia back up to number one this week in the Poll, Ohio State's at two. Alabama dropped to three after surviving last week. A last-second scare against Texas A&M. Both Mizzou and MSU have this weekend off. As for hockey, that's right, hockey. The Blues open the regular season Saturday at home against Columbus. Hey, KB is on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns. 7.02 a.m., 5.02 and 11.02 p.m. every day. Be sure to check him out. Lake TV bringing you five local lake area shows, including... The High School Football Coaches Show with Camdenton Lakers coach Jeff Shore, Osage Indians coach Shannon Jolly talking about last week's win, talking about this week's game. Of course, Camdenton getting ready for Lebanon. Hear what Jeff Shore's got to say about that. You can see the High School Football Coaches Show Tuesdays through Fridays at 10, 2, and 6 every single day. And, of course, you can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90, absolutely free on Roku and Amazon Fire stick and streaming live all the time on mylaketv.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Wednesday. Helping out the community is as simple as joining the Key Radio team. Right now, Key Radio is looking for an individual to spread the good news about community radio at the Lake of the Ozarks. The job involves talking to local businesses about supporting our mission. You decide how much you'd like to work and get a commission for the work that you do. Sales experience is preferred but isn't required. We need you, and so does our community. Contact Bill Munhausen at 573-280-0532. Key Radio KEYK is an equal opportunity employer. This is Happy Headlines. I'm the host, David Beach, bringing you two minutes of good news and heartwarming stories to help you through your day, regardless of how bizarre it gets out there. And here is today's story. What do you do if your child is born during the pandemic and needs to be put in the intensive care neonatal unit? A parent can't go in due to contagion possibilities. What do you do to talk to your kid? In Bogota, Colombia, they're doing what they can. Not really a a happy story, but at least a solution that is somewhat happy. Two-way video calls. It connects anxious parents to their infirmed babies. Watching your child in intensive care is scary, but at least you can see them, and they can hear your voice. You can't hug them or kiss them, but family members of newborns are speaking to their babies via hundreds of video calls organized by staff. Since mid-May, 143 families 
studies and over 260 video calls to children in intensive care. Bogota's health secretary said social workers who coordinate the calls and hold tablets up to the incubators are key. In the case of newborns, video calls help strengthen the parents' bond with their babies and help reassure worried parents. Sad to think of, but it's pretty beautiful to see the solution. They're doing the best they can in a very bizarre world. That is a happy headline. This is Happy Headlines. I'm the host, David Beach, bringing you good news every day on the Volley Network. Thanks for listening. In the meantime, stay happy, stay healthy, and find a way to make someone's day. We're happy to be the Lake Sounding Board. Community radio for the Lake of the Ozarks. It's 89.3, the key. Right back here, folks. Yes, we are, and we thank you for joining us on this first hour of the Wednesday edition of The Daily Show. It is 8.40. Let us take an opportunity now to enlighten you with news regarding the weather forecast. My uh, traffic reporter let me know on social media that there was a little fender bender on KK, so... I don't know if that's slowed things down a whole lot or not. That was uh, probably uh, about almost nine minutes ago. 62 degrees in Osage Beach, 61 in Camdenton. And that's where we are as we broadcast live from the world headquarters of SRG Financial Advisors. Probably uh, 71 degrees now is what we're looking for. Cloudy, damp, rain this morning. Then becoming partly cloudy, some thunder possible. Clear and 44 tonight, then sunny. 66 tomorrow, mostly sunny and 72 on Friday, partly cloudy. And 75 on Saturday, partly cloudy. 67 degrees on Sunday, then some uh, low to uh, mid-50s on Monday and Tuesday. 57 and sunny on Monday, the 17th, sunny. And 53 on Tuesday, the 18th, uh, both lows for Monday and for Tuesday, right there around the freezing mark. So time to uh, consider maybe getting out that uh, jacket or sweatshirt or whatever it is. You said it was shorts weather. I I believe that. I thoroughly (laughs) believe that. Did you say 44 for one of the lows somewhere already? Tonight. Tonight. Yeah. All right, then. Lake level at 657.07, river level at 551.57, and the surface water temp at 71 degrees. And I know why the... uh, why the phone went to voicemail, because uh, I didn't answer it in time. So, oh. caller, if you'd like to give us a call back at 573-633-5395, we would love to hear from you this morning and let you know just exactly uh, what it is that uh, we're talking about, but more importantly, what it is that is on your mind this morning. I want to remind everybody, Professor Jim Paisley will join me coming up in hour number two. The True History Professor this morning will talk about North Korea and Japan. Why do we care if North Korea is firing rockets over Japan? Can't they defend themselves? How can this be putting American lives at risk? Tune in at 9.10 this morning to find out more. Let's go to the phones. Ha-ha. See, there we are. And for some strange reason, the caller got kicked off again. Oh, nope, 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 nope. The caller is still there. Sometimes we have uh, a little issue here and there. But uh, 
as I punch it and kick it, it seems to work, like a lot of things. Caller, good morning. You are on The Daily Show. What's up? Good morning, boys. How you doing? Good morning. Well, sir, good morning. I'm, I'm uh, listening to this conversation about, you know, perceptions on what the lake is, and I just want to maybe offer a different perspective. Certainly. Um, as long as I can, as long as I can remember, the lake has been known as a party lake, as the Vegas of the Midwest, so to speak. Hmm. And I mean, I say that because, well, here a couple of years ago, uh, when I first moved down here, I was going through a thrift store, and dude, I found a Party Cove Girls Gone Wild VHS from the 80s <laughs> and I bought it and I gave it as a uh, I gave it as a gag gift white elephant gift at the Christmas party yes yeah exactly I'm like hey nobody has a VHS player and probably nobody wants to see this in my in-laws family you know but <laughs> it worked out good everybody got a laugh <clears throat> um, I say that to say I mean I know as locals uh, probably most of us don't spend a lot of time on the lake, but when you do get out in there and you do, you know, get down to Shady Gators on a weekend or whatever, you realize kind of more what it is that is drawing people here. Unfortunately, it is what we've become. And and as evidence of that, you look at what the development has been over the last, oh, 25, 30 years. It's leaned more towards lakefront bars with pool. They've kind of become the new Party Cove, they're what killed Party Cove because everybody can assemble right there and do their thing or whatever. Uh, as far as fishing goes, you know, it used to be a pretty big fishing lake. I mean, it still is, but most working people uh, that don't live here don't have the option to fish during the week. And, you know, you come down here any weekend during the summer and try to take the boat out, it ain't much fun. So, and we're the most actually the only developed lake in the state and probably in the Midwest because the Army mm -hmm. Corps of Engineers owns most of them, right? Right. So, I mean, we got to take it from a realistic standpoint that the growth is going to continue, absolutely. Um, and people are going to continue to flock here for the reasons I mentioned, whether we like them or not. Uh, it's, it's why people are considering putting a casino here, uh -huh. right? Uh, right. I don't right, think right, anybody's right. like, hey, let's put a casino in Branson. Um, we attract what we uh, project. That's a great point. And let me ask you a question people. then. So um, I, cause I also hear and you see on Facebook that, you know, people came back here in, in the day and it was a family oriented thing. It was quiet and it wasn't as, uh, ex, you know, as, as big and built up as it is now. Um, so I kind of, and also I have always thought that the Osage beach, Lake Ozark area was the party area as it were. And then the West side, uh, Laurie, maybe even Camden Tim, but certainly Laurie and Greenview and up in that area, more of the quiet side of the lake. And I think they even advertise that as being the quiet side of the lake. I don't know if they're going to be able to stay the quiet side of the lake. Um, but I also then wonder, can we not, and should it be in the planning, which, interesting that we're talking about this stuff, because the master plan of Camden County needs to be redone. So this might be something to look into and think about and have other people uh, give their input. But 
are we maybe, can we, are we trying to um, uh, facilitate both crowds? In other words, we have the party atmosphere, as you mentioned, and I think you're, you're spot on with how development has been going with that, especially with the swim-up bars and, and uh, all of the entertainment complexes now, even with uh, all of the different places that we have uh, live music almost every weekend. There's, you know, virtually every bar has some sort of live music, and we're getting these larger venues uh, that, that are trying to, to attract the, the larger, more well-known and national acts, such as the Amphitheater and Shawnee, uh, Shawnee Bluff and, and uh, the Encore now trying to do some things. So are we trying to and are we going to be able to service both sides of those, the quiet side, as it were? Is it going to be able well, to remain that way? And then the party side, do you, do you see us trying to do that? And, and if so, can we do that? Well, I got a couple points to make there. First of all, as far as the quiet side, my grandparents bought their uh, lot that they built their cabin on in like 1958 on the Gravois Arm mm-hmm. on the four-mile mark of the main channel. And I've grown up there all my life. My dad has. We were the first cabin on that entire point. There was no houses, no nothing anywhere around. I've got pictures from when my dad was skiing as a kid, and there's not a house in sight but ours. Uh, today... Uh, well, not today, but about 10 years ago, um, they built Coconuts and mm-hmm. they built Jolly Rogers around the corner from us. Mm-hmm. And it has dramatically changed. Now, even when I was a kid, we were busy because we were on the main channel. I mean, our dock got the crap beat out of it. I mean, you can't be down there on a weekend without getting sick. But in those days, we had the dummy, timeout, uh, all these little small. They were bars, but they didn't seat, you know. 2,000 people or whatever. Right. Um, so it has dramatically changed that side because of those developments over there. Tap and grill now. Uh, the Graboy's Arm has become just as busy as Osage Beach by water. Now, by land, it's still awful quiet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as Camden County goes, <coughs> luckily, <coughs> we've, got, we've got some logistics on our side to keep things quiet. And by that, I mean we've got, you know, you go out Seven Highway towards Climax Springs and Greenview. I do not believe that there is enough traffic or that there is enough land access, uh, workers available um, for them to build these big establishments that far up. You know, we're talking the 60-mile marker or 70-mile marker. Uh Um, Out there, it's still small establishments like uh, the Red Fox, which actually I did see is for sale. Um, you've got a couple places over in, I think, on the Ivy Bend side. I don't know what they're called. but um, So you, you still have that slower side, um, and it's probably going to stay that way until they put in a toll bridge or something to make access mm. easier because it's just so dang far out of the way. It is remote out there. Uh, but as far as, yeah, as far as around Camdenton, Osage Beach, Lake Ozark, Sunrise Beach, um I don't think you're going to stop the train, and I really don't know as if you should. I, I, right. I know a lot of people worry that we're going to overdevelop, um, but really, we've got hundreds of thousands of acres of land that is pretty much undevelopable. Like me, myself, I'm sitting here on my porch. I got the day off because it's raining. I'm supposed to be doing outside work, but I'm looking out across the valley and great big hills that are all undeveloped. Is I there, can't see anybody spending the money to develop that. Now maybe they there, will. Uh, maybe. Is there a porta potty out there where you're working? 
<laughs> no, not not in the place I'm working now. That is so, in reference to something um, that uh, the, the the caller. That's an insider deal. There, that was huh? that was an insider deal. I, and I, I want to say that you know, um, Ballparks National put that beautiful facility out there, and I think that uh, one of the plans for that uh, facility was to start seeing some businesses building around it near the Max Creek area. And I don't know if it'll be hotels, if it'll be restaurants, if it'll be both, if they'll put in some other stores or whatever. So it'll be interesting to see if that area takes off because as of right now, you've got the existing businesses in Max Creek, and I think the only new business to uh, come into that particular area uh, was the Dollar General. So maybe... Hillbilly Hut. Hillbilly Hut. (laughs) And, And... and I don't well, know, you know, that's there, there's an area that is, uh, uh, I, I hate to say it like this, but uh, ripe for the picking. And Davis Baskets has been uh, sold and a little revamped there and, and uh, a little revitalized with a restaurant, a mechanic shop there now, and, of course, the antique shop still. Well, and, and Ballparks yeah. Nationals is down the road a little bit farther. Yeah, but I mean, uh, that whole area there, you know, I mean, it's doing a little bit of something. Well, guys, I think, I think the thing you got to think about, too, there, though, is in order for businesses to pop up in areas like that, uh-huh. they have to have some kind of a full-time population to keep going. Yeah. Uh, we can't build a great, big, beautiful hotel just for baseball season. Um, we can't yeah, build right. retail and things like that yeah. when you, all you have is Max Creek. I'll There's tell too you much what, competition though, in Osage Beach. There's certainly allowing uh, this baseball season, as you refer to it, uh, to to go uh, quite a, a number of months. And and I will say that Ballparks National does work closely with a lot of hotels that are already established in setting up package deals for a lot of these groups that uh, come down, these tournaments that come down. They offer them uh, an opportunity not only to come down and, and, and take part in these tournaments, but to enjoy the lake area while they're here. So they have various package deals that I believe include I don't know if there's any uh, passes or anything like that to any of the other businesses. We'd have to get Jeff Vernetti in to talk about that. But I do know in particular uh, that over there at the Encore uh, and that uh, hotel facility there, that they are indeed uh, working with Ballparks National. So, you know, as far as uh, travel time, it's really not that bad because you can get on 54 and uh, 20 and, and take 54 out to uh, – Max Creek, uh, pr- probably about, yeah, 20, 25 minutes, yeah. something like that, uh, give or take, depending on uh, what's going on that particular weekend here at the lake. So, you know, I, I guess in uh, the grand scheme of things, <clears throat> Paul, thank you for uh, your comments here this morning. Uh, the grand scheme of things, it's, it's I guess, what the people want. And uh, so many people retire to the Lake of the Ozarks to enjoy uh, the beauty of the area. But at the same time, they would like those uh, modern conveniences that they uh, they get in the, the big cities. And, you know, you, you have... Uh, Grocery store chains like Deerberg's and Hy-Vee that have uh, established themselves here. Uh, you have uh, some franchise restaurants, uh, Chipotle, Outback, Applebee's. Uh, First Watch, that is a, uh, I believe that's a chain, mm-hmm. and uh, a number of other uh, chains. You know, we talked about McDonald's and Sonic and Taco yeah. Bell, things like that. Those are staples. You know, and uh, then, you know, you've got, uh, what amazes me is the amount of big box hardware stores we have, you know, like a Lowe's and a Home Depot and a Menards. But then you've got uh, Meeks down the road from them. 
you've got high rudders, you got RP lumber, uh, and I'm sure you know you've Porters, got the, the new True Nick's Value hard, that they yeah, both Nick's been, Hardware just uh, came in. The yeah. Nick's Hardware True Value Porters, as you mentioned, and a number high of others. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, all, all, all those, and they all survive and maintain. You know, I mean they're. They're doing all right. Well, and that's, guess, you know? that's a credit to the amount of building, I guess, that's going on here at the Lake of the Ozarks. But then, of course, we're dealing with things now like the uh, product shortages. And, and we yeah. see that with everybody. I mean, if you go to uh, buy a boat, it might take you a little time to get it here. It's probably going to take you a little time. Uh, if you want to dock with your new home, if you want certain things for your home, uh, whether it's new or uh, you're building it. So uh, there are indeed a lot of uh, pluses and minuses, but uh, as is the case, I think you're going to see. Now, when I moved here 25 years ago, you know, it was it was much. roll up the <laughs> roll up the sidewalks after Labor Day weekend yeah. and then roll them out prior to Memorial Day weekend. And, uh, you know, you basically had uh, uh, your, your grocery store, uh, convenience stores, maybe a few restaurants that were open. And so uh, how do we look at this? How do we view this? Uh, do we, we, we see the change coming? I mean, my goodness, uh, you could stick a condo complex just about anywhere on the lake these days. And, and they're doing filled that. Up. <laughs> and it'll get filled up and sold out. One, you know, one thing fascinating, you, you mentioned earlier about how, um, it seems like we have some big box stores that wind up being anchors and it kind of takes away some of the mom and pops. And I noticed that the development that they would like to do in uh, the Camdenton area there around Walmart and whatnot behind Walmart, that, uh, they have an interesting concept for an anchor and that anchor is a, uh, um, a manufacturer and, uh, a college. Right. Um, so that's an interesting concept there, you know, instead of, instead of something to buy being an anchor to get people to come in, it's kind of like they're going to come up with some manufacturing and, and a college to be that anchor for people to kind of focus around and, uh, to build the rest of the community off of that. So I'm still a little leery about the sustainable development aspects of, of that type of development. But at the same time, um, if it can work, um, so be it, let it work, you know, and they have a, uh, interesting concept with what they want to do over there. It will be kind of its own little town within a town. Um, so it'll be neat to see if they can get that off the ground. But there's always going to be development here, I believe. Uh, and if we don't, if we stop growing, then are we just then stagnant and dead? I don't know. Is uh, just what we have here enough to continue to uh, make the area vibrant and viable? I mean... Lake of the Ozarks been around for a long time, and it just continues to get uh, bigger and better, and and um, I think it'll continue to grow uh, in in a smart direction. Honestly, I think we're doing pretty good in the area. To be quite candid with you, I think we're bringing in a good uh, mix of of just about everybody. Um, you know, because there is still a big party area, and that's you know um, an aspect of this lake. And uh, I still think we've got that quiet side. Is it merging out toward, uh, you know, the Ivy Bend area? Are you having to go a little bit farther to be quiet? Um, maybe. Don't know for sure. But um, um, don't be scared of development uh, because that's, um, you know, just uh, new things for us. And, and we have to keep, uh, again, be able to grow or we'll just sit here, sit here and be stagnant. Yeah. And, and, and I like Brian's co- uh, comment. What about property monopolies? Why can't we have a, a grocery store 
on the west side uh, of Osage Beach. Well, the good folks from Woods came in and decided to uh, take over all of the Paul's locations, and uh, they decided they were going to close down the location in Osage Beach, and that building sets uh, there, as is the case with the one in uh, the Greenview area. And I don't understand that. I don't get that, what the uh, need is to uh, just leave the building vacant uh, for as long, I guess, as they are allowed to leave it vacant. I mean, the Parkway Center now just kind of sits there and uh, dangles in the uh, mediocrity that is that uh, west side. Some people uh, definitely think that there is a need for a grocery store on the west side of the lake or the west side of Osage Beach, and I would have to agree uh, just for convenience. I mean, I like shopping at uh, Deerberg's and Hy-Vee, and I like to go to Save-A-Lot in Camdenton, and I, you know, will uh, go to Gerbs in Camdenton on occasion. But uh, I really, I, I, I see a need for a grocery store. I think there's enough of, of a population to support it. I'd love and the you've one. got the new Aldi coming in, too. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to have the one back open over here that we just had right across the street, right down the corner. But, um, you know, for whatever reason, they closed that facility. And will it open back up again there? Will something? I don't know. Will another grocery store open up somewhere? I don't know. Um, but here's the thing, folks. You know, we talk about the restaurants that are only open, you know, during for breakfast and lunch. Right. Maybe they're closed because they can't sustain an evening meal. Maybe they can't uh, stay open and, and, and afford to do it. Same way with a grocery store over there. You know, business is You business. have to draw yeah. in the people well, that's in order right. to have that, uh, that opportunity. We are up against the top of the hour. Ike Skelton, a quick hour. Yeah. It blew by. It, was it good. blew by. And uh, we will be talking with Professor Jim Paisley coming up in hour number two. Thank you so much for uh, listening, and uh, please continue to join us. The topic of conversation with the True History Professor will be Korea and Japan. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Continued success. Please keep us uh, abreast of uh, the uh, the learning curve that you are sure. uh, a part of now as uh, you are getting your feet wet and getting ready to uh, enter the fray, as they say. The next presiding commissioner of Camden County, Ike Skelton, our guest in this 8 o'clock hour. Let's step aside and get some information. Stacy Johnson with LakeExpo.com, your trusted news source. And Chris Schneider with Lake TV. He'll have a look at sports. And it's all coming up right here on Key Radio. Content provided by the people. Right here on 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Wednesday, October 12th. As temperatures cool, Ameren has pledged an additional $250,000 to help natural gas customers clear 90% of their overdue payments so they can start the season with a clean slate. Eligible customers pay just 10% of the past due balance, and the Clean Slate program covers the remaining overdue balance. More information at AmerenMissouri.com slash clean slate. A Savannah, Missouri man was injured in a crash off of Highway 135. 39-year-old Joshua Atkins was driving an ATV up a steep embankment. Atkins made an immediate left turn and the vehicle overturned several times. Atkins sustained serious injuries and was transported by the Mid-County Ambulance District to Lake Regional Hospital. Suits for Soldiers is this Saturday at the Osage Beach Elks Lodge. 
All active military and veterans are invited to come receive a free suit, shirt, and so much more. There will be live music, food, and entertainment, plus partner organizations dedicating to supporting military men and women. The event starts at 9 in the morning at the Elks Lodge in Osage Beach. More information and registration at Suits for Soldiers, Lake of the Ozarks.com. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from lakeexpo.com. Lakeexpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Toe. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Wednesday. Happy Hump Day. Major League Baseball playoffs continue with National League Division Series today. Phillies and Braves, Padres and Dodgers, they got those best of five series off and running yesterday. The American League Division Series taking a break until tomorrow. The uh, Cleveland team and the Yankees and the Mariners and Astros got their series started yesterday. High school football Friday is on the way, and what a game Camdenton's got. 7-0 Camdenton at home against 7-0 Lebanon. Undefeated teams playing for the conference championship and probably a first-round bye in the playoffs. You can see that game Friday night on Lake TV. The COMC pregame show at 6.15. The uh, kickoff at 7 o'clock. Camdenton and Lebanon, both teams 7-0 on Lake TV Friday night. Osage rides a four-game win streak there at home to Southern Boone Friday. Eldon is at California Versailles, home against Booneville Friday night. College football, Georgia back up to number one this week in the poll. Ohio State's at two. Alabama dropped to three after surviving last week. A last-second scare against Texas A&M. Both Mizzou and MSU have this weekend off. As for hockey, that's right, hockey. The Blues open the regular season Saturday at home against Columbus. Hey, KB is on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns. 7.02 a.m., 5.02 and 11.02 p.m. every day. Be sure to check him out. Lake TV bringing you five local lake area shows, including the high school football coaches show with Camdenton Lakers coach Jeff Shore, Osage Indians coach Shannon Jolly talking about last week's win, talking about this week's game. Of course, Camdenton getting ready for Lebanon. Hear what Jeff Shore's got to say about that. You can see the high school football coaches show Tuesdays through Fridays at 10, 2, and 6 every single day. And, of course, you can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90, absolutely free on Roku and Amazon Fire. Stick and streaming live all the time on MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Wednesday. Portions of our programming on Key Radio made possible thanks to Lake TV. 
Lake TV is your hometown local TV station. Featuring Cup of Coffee with Will and Chris, What's Burning with KB, live high school sports, real estate, dining, boating, and of course the annual Lake of the Ozark shootout. Lake TV on Como Connect, Channel 90, Roku, YouTube, Facebook and Instagram, and of course online at MyLakeTV.com. If it's happening at the lake, it's happening on Lake TV. This is Bill Munhausen for Creation Expo. Geologic theories have one great void. Whereas they try to explain structures like Grand Canyon, they have no unified theory tying together all of Earth's features. Dr. Walt Brown has such a theory. His hydroplate theory proposes Earth's crustal plates were supported by vast reservoirs of water under extreme pressure. The biblical flood began with a rift in the crust circling the planet, releasing fountains of subterranean water mixed with sediments into the atmosphere. Continental plates rapidly slid away from each other and continue settling into position today. It explains mid-ocean ridges, mountain ranges parallel to those ridges, the jigsaw fit of continents, ocean trenches, sedimentary and metamorphic rocks, and even the ice age, meteorites, and radioactivity. The Genesis flood began when the fountains of the great deep erupted. Creationists use historical clues from the Bible to fill in the voids in geology. your daily dose of news, sports, weather, and more with KB on The Daily Show. Weekdays starting at 8 a.m., heard again at 4 p.m., and again at midnight on 89.3 The Key. It is great to have you back with us now at 9.09, a wet day at the Lake of the Ozarks. To start anyway, we should see some sunshine uh, probably a little bit later on today. Looking for the clouds to part, make way for some sunshine that will certainly be uh, something we can enjoy. That's how it should work. Rain overnight or early morning and then leave the rest of the day for this beautiful fall weather. 71 the high today as we uh, see the clouds part and make way for the sunshine. Could still maybe see a little bit of rain. Clear and uh, 44 for tonight. As a matter of fact, let's take a peek at the radar and see just exactly what it is we're dealing with. Uh, looks like most of the rain has moved out of the area. A, a line 
of uh, some rain that has uh, pretty much uh, made its way into eastern parts of the state. And then uh, as it uh, progresses through the state, it begins to dissipate as we see what they call the uh, advanced radar, the look ahead. And I don't know why I said there was a Chipotle here at the Lake of the Ozarks. I thought there was. Maybe I was just, uh, it was a dream, something like that. Anyway, we, uh, we'll see some sunshine tomorrow. And a high of 66, sunny and 73 on Friday, partly cloudy and 75 Saturday, 67 with a few clouds on Sunday. Then we get into those uh, 50s on Monday, 57 with sunshine, sunny and 53 on Tuesday, sunny and 59 on Wednesday, partly cloudy next Thursday, and a high of 68, 68 and partly cloudy on Friday, October the 21st. So. As you heard Chris Schneider mention, lots of high school football with a lot on the line, including the big game this Friday night with Camdenton and Lebanon. The Highway 5 trophy on the line, plus the uh, various implications that come along with that particular game. So we wish our Camdenton Lakers well. 657.04 is the current lake level. River level at 551.56. And uh, looks like 71 degrees, the current surface water temperature. Professor Jim Paisley, the true history professor, joining us in studio. We'll talk Japan. We'll talk Korea. But uh, your your grandson, Andrew, has been... uh, uh, well, setting him up and knocking him down. He's this week. had a heck of a week. Yeah, yeah and then you know he uh, scored his first touchdown on a seventh grade team for right. Southern Boone, and then uh, sat last Saturday morning went out and got his first deer, you know, ever. Outstanding, and, and got it with a bow. Yeah, so uh, which is tough. Yes, it's really tough. Yeah, you know, but looks uh, like he had a crossbow. He was. Yeah, he did. He has a crossbow. Yeah, of all places. got him a crossbow? Yeah, well, he got that at Bryan Auction, of all places, yeah. He oh. got a great deal on it. And, Very yeah. nice. Yeah, so he, he's just having a heck of a week, and he went and played Hallsville last night uh-huh. and scored another touchdown. Outstanding. So. And of all things, you know, I, I'd love to go to the game this weekend with Camdenton and, and Lebanon. That's going to be got, uh, huge. You've got a uh, prior commitment. I have a conflict of interest here in that... Uh, I'm going to be attending the Osage game, right. and Osage is going to play Southern Boone, which uh, my granddaughter is a cheerleader for Southern Boone, so we'll be there Friday night. And then Saturday, Andrew's seventh grade team plays Osage at 11 o'clock. So, yeah, and, and this is going to be a struggle. So you guys uh, don't have to travel. Right, and this is going to be a struggle because yeah. uh, my son graduated from Osage. So... Yeah, he's going to – it'll be interesting to see who he cheers for. Are you going to cheer for his son or is he going to cheer for Osage? That'll be that'll be fun, right? Yeah, so, you know, yeah, it could, could be interesting. That'll be fun. Well, either way, it's uh, good to know that uh, the grandparents are getting their, uh, their workout. This is great. I'll tell you what, being a grandpa is so much better than being a dad. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's like you load them up with sugar and send them exactly home. Exactly right. Them out, spoil yeah, them, and then and uh, Saturday them night, again. I'm going to see you again. We're going to be doing the uh, the trivia night. You and, uh, let's see, you, Dave Maupin, your son. Yes. And your daughter-in-law. And James Gohagen. James Gohagen. Yeah, and my wife and my daughter-in-law. So it'll be fun. It'll, it'll be a, you know, you're going to find out just how stupid we really are. <laughs> so it's you and Maupin. Your son and your daughter-in-law, James Gohagen, and your wife? Yeah. That's the team of six. That's it. That's the six team. Yeah, yeah. And we've got a great Tell her to tell your wife to try and control herself. I'll try. 
She gets out of control sometimes. Well, you're in charge, so you can. I'm not in charge of anything. I'm just reading the questions. Yes, the name of our team is the Know Nothings. The Know Nothings, which is very appropriate. That's like a uh, like a sleeper name. (laughs) Yeah, you're just playing possum. (laughs) Well, I know uh, trivia brings out all of the. uh, the trivia buffs, obviously, and there's uh, a lot at stake. The Medical Missions for Christ Trivia Challenge is coming up on uh, Saturday evening. 5.30 is when things get underway with uh, uh, a dinner at the uh, Commons area of the uh, Camdenton High School. And then we'll do uh, trivia, eight rounds of 11 questions. And yours truly filling in for Brandon Beck, who is normally the MC, but he has a prior commitment with his wife, and he... Uh, he took the, the the high road, the smart road, and decided to fulfill that commitment. <laughs> Earlier in the day, there'll be suits for soldiers going on at the Elks Lodge in Osage Beach from nine until two, and so uh, lots to uh, lots to get involved with. And uh, certainly, uh, we thank all the folks for their efforts and working hard to put these events together. It certainly means a lot uh, as far as. Uh, the Medical Missions for Christ uh, Trivia Challenge, that is their big fundraiser for the year. So everybody come out, bring your wallets, and uh, you can buy mulligans for 2 bucks. There's silent auction items, and uh, you can uh, meet and get autographs from the one and only Professor Jim Paisley. <laughs> Let's delve into our topic, sir. We've got uh, a lot to talk about now at 9.15, Japan, Korea. What's going on over there, and why should we be concerned as the United States of America? Well, I'll tell you what, buddy. This is... Uh interesting i wasn't i wasn't going to do a show on this and then i I got to talking with my wife a little bit and you know she said you might be surprised how much uh, we've all forgotten since we were in high school and uh she's right and you know we know for a fact that uh North Korea has lobbed a couple of missiles over the top of Japan and landed them on the other side, on the east side. And so out into the ocean they went. And, you know, you sit there and think, well, why do we even care? You know, I mean, that's half a world away, and they're lobbing missiles out into the ocean. And, you know, how is that a concern for us? And can't Japan defend itself? And, you know, and how does this pose any risk to Americans? Well, Believe it or not, there's a lot of history here, folks, and I'm going to try and give you the crash course, if you will. And again, you know, my pet peeve is that the national news, they just get on there and tell you that a couple of missiles got lobbed, but they don't tell you any any additional information. So I'm going to fill you in here a little bit in case something does happen here. So let's start with a little history. Now, Korea has been through just an, an absolute mess. In 1905, uh, they found themselves fighting Russia, okay, the Russo-Japanese War, and they lost this thing. Now, you know, that we could do a whole show on that. Russia took their entire fleet and sent it out of the North Sea, sent it all the way around past India and all the way up the other side, and then turned around and uh, proceeded to get the living daylights whooped out of them, sank the entire Russian fleet. And that pretty well ended things. That was under the old Tsar Nicholas. So they lost. Now, of all things, five years later, Japan annexed Korea. They took it. They, they, they were stacked like cordwood out there. They needed some space. So they took Korea. Now, as we all know, in World War II, the Japanese had control of Korea, and they took a bigger part of China. But with the Japanese loss, Korea wound up being independent again. And everybody said, what are we going to do with it? 
And when the major powers got together, bear in mind the Soviet Union and the U.S. were allies in World War II, they said, what do you guys want to do? And they sat down and split the thing. And they said the northern half of Korea will go to the Soviets, which would be communist control. The southern half will go to U.S. control. So you've got the northern half right there goes communist. The southern half goes to uh, democracy. Now, on June 25th of 1950, the Korean War began when about 75,000 North Koreans from the North Korean People's Army poured across the 38th parallel. That's the line right down the middle that divides this thing. And they attacked South Korea. And the war was on. Now, the invasion was the first military action of the Cold War. And by July, American troops had gone over there and entered in the conflict as well. Now, what's interesting about this, this was the first big U.N.-type conflict. The United States wasn't specifically at war. Basically, this was a U.N. Security Council decision that we got to go in and stop these guys from taking over South Korea. They're messing up the whole uh, system that we had in place. All right. So what happens is, is that the United Nations sends in 16 different countries. All right. And basically, the 16 countries sent in military troops. There were another 41 that were sending in supplies and everything to South Korea. And, of course, one of the 16 uh, nations that sent troops was the United States. Now, China fought on the side of North Korea. They very quickly came in to promote the, the communist side of North Korea. And the Soviet Union, seeing all this... They decided, well, we'll come in on the side of China and North Korea. <clears throat> Excuse me. So what you wind up with is a bunch of communists on the north, and you've got all these countries that want uh, democracy for South Korea on the south. That's that's basically what was happening here. Now, as far as American officials were concerned, it was a war against the forces of international communism itself. And after some back and forth across the 38th parallel, the fighting stalled, and the casualties continued to mount with nothing to show for it. Meanwhile, American officials worked anxiously to fashion some sort of an armistice with the North Koreans. The alternative, they feared, would be a wider war with Russia and China. That's, we did not want to see that happen. Or even worse, World War III. So finally, in July of 1953... The Korean War came to an end. Basically what happened is we went in there with our troops and we pushed the North Koreans all the way to the Chinese border. Then came the Chinese and they threw people at it. And they pushed us all the way back down to the southern end of South Korea. And then we pushed back again and the whole thing came to a stalemate right there where we all started at the 38th parallel. So what's interesting is there was never... An armistice signed. So it technically, there's still a war there. It never came to an end. All right. And so we have this shaky peace, if you will, between North and South Korea. Now, <clears throat> unlike World War II and Vietnam, the Korean War didn't get much media attention. The most famous representation we have of it is the, the TV show MASH. Yeah, you know, that whole you know a lot of people you know think mash well World War Two no that was the Korean War all right now the series itself ran from 1972 to 1983 so I'm really dating myself here you know it seems like I was watching it the other night 
Now, the U.S. sent about 90% of the troops that were sent to aid South Korea, and we spent $67 billion in that war. Now, bear in mind, that's $67 billion in 1950s dollars. The U.S. casualty toll was reported at 54,246, and there's still 7,800 men missing that we never could account for. Now, after failing in North Korea to conquer the U.S., backed Republic of Korea, by force in the southern portion of Korea, North Korea, under its president, Kim Il-sung, adopted a policy of isolationism. So this is the grandpa, the guy that's there right now. He decided, okay, we're just going to lock this country down and we're going to, you know, stand our ground, if you will. And that's where we have this, you know, this shaky uh, peace, if you will. Now, Kim Il-sung's son was Kim Jong-il, and he was designated as his father's successor in 1980. And he just continued on with what his dad did, made this an isolationist country under communist rule. Now, Kim Jong-un, the guy in power now, was publicly unveiled as his father's successor in 2010. And so, basically, that's how we wound up where we are today. North Korea, interestingly enough, has a population of about 25 million people, which isn't a very big population when you consider the size of the United States. But, again, they have a stranglehold on the people there. And the biggest problem that they have, folks, is no food. Food is a huge problem. They cannot produce sufficient food to provide for their entire population, so they wind up having to buy it. And who do they buy it from? The Chinese and the Russians. Okay, so there is uh, something of an alliance there. Okay, now instead of actually buying food for the people, Kim Jong Un has spent what little money they have on military-related items, specifically long-range missile development and weapons of mass destruction. That's our greatest concern. So that's the threat that we have right now. Now, I thought it was interesting in that, you know, looking up to the current situation, in addition to these missiles being fired, just last week, 12 North Korean warplanes flew in formation near the South Korean border. And it was basically a simulation of an air-to-ground attack. And so it prompted us on, on, the, on the South Korean side to scramble 30 fighter jets. Now, a lot of people didn't even know about that. And we scrambled our jets, and they basically flew tandem along that border. They didn't engage, but scary stuff, all right? Now, like I say, North Korea also fired a couple of missiles that lobbed over across Japan and had landed on the opposite side out into the Pacific Ocean. Now, the thing that's, that's interesting here is these missiles can shoot 2,800 miles, 2,800 miles. Now, here comes the big problem, folks, and this is huge, and this is what I want to try and, and fill you in on. These missile launches show that the North, North Koreans have the ability to hit mainland Japan, specifically Tokyo. Yes, Tokyo. Now, why is that a threat to the U.S.? Here we go. Another history lesson. The U.S. and Japan are allies, and we have a huge military presence in Japan. Now, why is that? Well, interestingly enough, you can go to a website called U.S. 
UFJ. That's the United States Forces in Japan. Now, I know I've got a lot of listeners out there uh, that are veterans, and thank you for your service, and there's been a lot of you that have probably been stationed over there. So you've got to bear with me as I give the history end of it, and if I mispronounce something, then by all means, don't beat me up. You know, I'm just doing my thing and trying to share a little history here, but uh, I'm sure there are some stories about this area and the military facilities we have. But this uh, U.S. Forces Japan has their own website talking about what is there. And I thought it was interesting. They have a mission statement. And it says that the U.S. Forces Japan manages the U.S.-Japan alliance and sets the conditions within Japan to ensure U.S. service components maintain a lethal posture and readiness to support regional operations in steady state crisis and contingency and that bilateral mechanisms between the U.S. and Japan provide the ability to coordinate and synchronize actions in support of the U.S.-Japan alliance. Now think about that, folks. The mission of our U.S. forces in Japan extends far beyond just protecting Japan. In the event that China decides to take Taiwan, let's say, the response from our military forces will probably be launched first from our bases in Japan, because we have a bunch there, a lot of things there. So now you can see why these missile launches are a tremendous threat, not only to Japan, but to our military and our allies in the area. Now their vision statement goes on to say that U.S. forces in Japan says it enables that our command structure, the U.S. Indo-Pacific command structure, uh, is there to ensure a free and open Indo-Pacific area. Not just Japan, folks. We're there to defend that whole area, which includes uh, Guam, Taiwan, all, all, of, all of our allies in the area. And this is our base of operations, okay? So this, this goes way beyond just a skirmish, if you will, between Japan and Korea. Now, how did this possibly happen? Well, here we go with a little more history. The alliance began during the U.S. occupation after World War II. We defeated them. We went to Tokyo Bay, and sure enough, on the USS Missouri, a peace treaty was signed. And the big fear was that we don't want to let Japan become this powerful juggernaut there in the area again. And so the decision was made, what we'll do is we will disarm Japan, and we will now take over responsibility for protecting it. Now, there is the rub, okay? And, boy, I mean, there's so many issues here, KB, that I, I scratch my head about. When you look at our current budget for, for the United States and look how much of that chunk is U.S. military support, which I don't disagree with. We have to have it. But, you know, when we had uh, Trump in office, one of his big issues was, you know, we're spending a, an absolute fortune you know, uh, with military bases in Germany and Japan and places like this, and what are they spending? And so this becomes, uh, you know, an economic issue as well. So basically, we're there in Japan, and we have a huge military force there that we pay for with our tax dollars, and we now got somebody that's lobbing missiles over the top of those facilities. It's it's scary when you think about it, Okay. Now, basically, this agreement that we had, signed in 1951 alongside the Treaty of San Francisco, 
was this agreement. It was called the U.S.-Japan Mutual Security Treaty. And it was a 10-year renewable agreement that outlined how Japan, in light of its pacifist, new pacifist constitution, would allow U.S. forces to remain on its soil after Japan uh, withdrew from the war and the whole thing was done. Okay, so there's an agreement there, folks. We have a signed agreement saying we will do this. We'll provide them. Let us uh, let us take a quick break, and we'll keep you in suspense, so that you come back and you uh, join us for more of this great discussion with Professor Jim Paisley, the true history professor, and of course, talking Japan, talking Korea, and uh, hopefully, maybe we'll get an opportunity at some point here this morning. To speak with you as well. 9.30 with information from Stacy Johnson and LakeExpo.com. Sports with Chris Schneider and Lake TV. You are listening to The Daily Show on Key Radio. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Wednesday, October 12th. As temperatures cool, Ameren has pledged an additional $250,000 to help natural gas customers clear 90% of their overdue payments so they can start the season with a clean slate. Eligible customers pay just 10% of the past due balance, and the Clean Slate program covers the remaining overdue balance. More information at AmerenMissouri.com slash clean slate. A Savannah, Missouri man was injured in a crash off of Highway 135. 39-year-old Joshua Atkins was driving an ATV up a steep embankment. Atkins made an immediate left turn and the vehicle overturned several times. Atkins sustained serious injuries and was transported by the Mid-County Ambulance District to Lake Regional Hospital. Suits for Soldiers is this Saturday at the Osage Beach Elks Lodge. All active military and veterans are invited to come receive a free suit, shirt, and so much more. There will be live music, food, and entertainment, plus partner organizations dedicated to supporting military men and women. The event starts at 9 in the morning at the Elks Lodge in Osage Beach. More information and registration at suitsforsoldierslakeoftheozarks.com. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com. The goal of Key Radio is to offer the community an opportunity to share information and to express their ideas and opinions. Key Radio presents a platform for all types of information. We encourage interested content providers to create podcasts that explain the finer points of business, family issues, arts and entertainment, religion, government, and more. Key Radio is also looking for unique and one-of-a-kind podcasts as well. Key Radio is based on positive and productive podcasts that encourage and inspire our listeners to become engaged in their community. For more information on becoming a content provider, call 573-280-0532 or go to keygatheringplace.com slash keyradio. You're listening to 89.3, The Key. Chris 
Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Wednesday. Happy Hump Day. Major League Baseball playoffs continue with National League Division Series today. Phillies and Braves, Padres and Dodgers, they got those best of five series off and running yesterday. The American League Division Series taking a break until tomorrow. The uh, Cleveland team and the Yankees and the Mariners and Astros got their series started yesterday. High school football Friday is on the way, and what a game Camdenton's got. 7-0 Camdenton at home against 7-0 Lebanon. Undefeated teams playing for the conference championship and probably a first-round bye in the playoffs. You can see that game Friday night on Lake TV. The COMC pregame show at 6.15. The uh, kickoff at 7 o'clock. Camdenton and Lebanon, both teams 7-0 on Lake TV Friday night. Osage rides a four-game win streak there at home to Southern Boone Friday. Eldon is at California Versailles, home against Booneville Friday night. College football, Georgia back up to number one this week in the poll. Ohio State's at two. Alabama dropped to three after surviving last week. A last-second scare against Texas A&M. Both Mizzou and MSU have this weekend off. As for hockey, that's right, hockey. The Blues open the regular season Saturday at home against Columbus. Hey, KB is on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns. 7.02 a.m., 5.02 and 11.02 p.m. every day. Be sure to check him out. Lake TV bringing you five local lake area shows, including the high school football coaches show with Camdenton Lakers coach Jeff Shore, Osage Indians coach Shannon Jolly talking about last week's win, talking about this week's game. Of course, Camdenton getting ready for Lebanon. Hear what Jeff Shore's got to say about that. You can see the High School Football Coaches Show Tuesdays through Fridays at 10, 2, and 6 every single day. And, of course, you can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90. Absolutely free on Roku and Amazon Fire Stick and streaming live all the time on MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Wednesday. Helping out the community is as simple as joining the Key Radio team. Right now, Key Radio is looking for an individual to spread the good news about community radio at the Lake of the Ozarks. The job involves talking to local businesses about supporting our mission. You decide how much you'd like to work and get a commission for the work that you do. Sales experience is preferred but isn't required. We need you, and so does our community. Contact Bill Munhausen at 573-280-0532. Key Radio KEYK is an equal opportunity employer. This is Happy Headlines. I'm the host, David Beach, bringing you two minutes of good news and heartwarming stories to help you through your day, regardless of how bizarre it gets out there. And here is today's story. What do you do if your child is born during the pandemic and needs to be put in the intensive care neonatal unit? A parent can't go in due to contagion possibilities. What do you do to talk to your kid? In Bogota, Colombia, they're doing what they can. Not really a a happy story, but at least a solution that is somewhat happy. Two-way video calls. It connects anxious parents to their infirmed babies 
Watching your child in intensive care is scary, but at least you can see them, and they can hear your voice. You can't hug them or kiss them, but family members of newborns are speaking to their babies via hundreds of video calls organized by staff. Since mid-May, 143 families and over 260 video calls to children in intensive care. Bogota's health secretary said social workers who coordinate the calls and hold tablets up to the incubators are key. In the case of newborns, video calls help strengthen the parents' bond with their babies and help reassure worried parents. Sad to think of, but it's pretty beautiful to see the solution. They're doing the best they can in a very bizarre world. That is a happy headline. This is Happy Headlines. I'm the host, David Beach, bringing you good news every day on the Volley Network. Thanks for listening. In the meantime, stay happy, stay healthy, and find a way to make someone's day. We're happy to be the Lake Sounding Board. Community radio for the Lake of the Ozarks. It's 89.3, the key. Right back here. Oh, yes, we are. And a special good morning to a very special lady who uh, Jim got to see yesterday, correct? Got, sure did. Got a visitor. Yeah. Bob Paisley listening. And we appreciate that. And we uh, thank you so much for your support. You're a wonderful lady. I, I hope I get to meet her someday. Oh, she I hope you like do, a very too. interesting woman. She's she's a big fan of yours. So, well, yeah. I'm a big fan of hers. Yeah, I mean, yeah. 99. 99 years old. Doing great. Yeah. Doing great. So, yep. Well, I understand how important it is to have the support of your mother, and um, it's just great to know that she's listening up there in St. Louis. Whereabouts does she live in St. Louis? Lives out in uh, uh, Maryland Heights. Maryland yeah. Heights, not too yeah. far from where I grew up. Yeah, out off of Dorset. I grew up in uh, Florissant, so yeah. just down the road. Yeah, lives there with my brother. So, Outstanding. Yeah, she's well, doing good. Thank you very, 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 very much for tuning in, Mom Paisley, and uh, we love you. And, uh, you know, like I said, I hope I get to sit down and, We'll have to make that happen. Have tea or coffee or whatever. She, It'll be wine. She would like, well, I can. Yeah, yeah. Somebody's got to drive, so. <laughs> That's right. We'll let mom have all the wine she wants. Let's get back to our uh, conversation with Professor okay. Jim Paisley uh, regarding Japan and Korea and uh, what uh, vested interest the United States of America may have in all of this. Right. So rather quickly here, uh, where we left off, we were talking about the fact that the United States has signed an agreement, and it's been there ever since the end of World War II, that we would provide uh, military uh, for the Japanese uh, people. Right. And here's the thing. It, it was an agreement that fit with something called the Yoshida Doctrine. Mm. And it was a post-war strategy crafted by their prime minister, a fellow by the name of Shigeru Yoshida, that saw Japan rely on the U.S. for its security needs so the country could focus on rebuilding its economy because, boy, we bombed the living daylights out of them. Sure and did. so, you know, we said, all right, we'll take over your defense. You start trying to put things back together here. Now, at the time, the United States was keen on using this alliance to booster our strategic presence in East Asia. I mean, we're not stupid. We thought, here's a great place to put some bases, okay? And so, basically, what we had is you had the communist in North Korea. You had China, you know, rattling its saber, deciding what they wanted to do come the end of this war because they had run the Japanese out as well and had actually overthrown uh, the group uh, under Sun Yat-sen in Chiang Kai-shek, ran them off to Taiwan. 
That was another story. And now Chinese mainland is under Mao Zedong, and it's another communist nation. So we thought strategically it'd probably be wise for us to have a military presence there. So that's, you know, there was a, a two-sided deal here. Now, of all things, in 1960, this agreement was revised, and it granted the United States the right to establish bases on the Japanese mainland in exchange for a commitment to defend Japan in the event of an attack. So there you have it, all right? Now, these bases gave the U.S. military its first permanent foothold in Asia. Years later, the United States sparked protest in Japan by using the bases to support combat operations during Vietnam. Uh, that was one of our, you know, go-to places for setting up supplies, so on and so forth. Now, in 1967, Prime Minister Isaku Sato established the three non-nuclear principles. And basically what it was is he said, um, and, and it, it was a concern that he had. He said, if we've got these bases here, I'm scared to death that North Korea or China is going to lob missiles in here and wipe us out. So he said, and, you know, the concern of China and North Korea is that we'd put nuclear weapons there. And so they came up with this agreement that said we would not possess or produce or introduce any nuclear arms on mainland China. So as far as we know, there's no nuclear facilities there on mainland China. Now, the U.S. military forces are dispersed among, are you ready for this? This, this is why, why we need to know this, folks. There are 85 facilities located in Japan right now, U.S. facilities, 85, which just blew my mind when I started doing the research on this. The total acreage of U.S. bases is 77,000 acres. Now, 77,000 acres in Japan that's huge. I mean, this place is, you know, I mean, from day one, they've had problems with uh, the overpopulation. That's why they keep kept expanding. Mm -hmm. And 77,000 acres is dedicated to U.S. bases. All right. And, and let me ask you a quick question. Uh -huh. How was that acquired? Did the U.S. say, well, we need X amount of acreage for this base and we need extra and 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 the and, and the japanese essentially complied or how did that come about yeah basically it was an agreement with them we said okay here here's your situation dudes you've got uh, china right across here you know across this strait across the sea of japan you got north korea you've got all of these threats coming to you. you got russia which is within striking distance you can either let us have bases here or maybe we can just pull out and you can figure out how to defend yourself there you go and so you know it was kind of like damned if you do damned if you don't gotcha and you know again the thing is look at the money that they saved by not having to expand and build their own military i mean what we spend on our military is an absolute fortune so it's a pretty good deal for them now Listen to this. On mainland Japan, there are seven different main bases or posts. Yokota and Misawa uh, have an Air Force base. Camp Zama, or Zama, I guess, uh, represents the Army. Uh, Iwakuni, the Marine Corps, and Yokosuka uh, is the Navy. So we've got everything there. Now, I thought it was kind of interesting to kind of run down the list here, and I'll do it real quick. Here's what we have stationed there, and we'll go to run through them. You have the U.S. Army, Japan, and I-Corps. 
Now, it consists of 2,000 soldiers, and they're charged during peacetime with operating the port facilities and a series of logistics installations, okay? The, you have the Marine Expeditionary Force, which is under the operational command of Marine Forces Pacific, and they're garrisoned primarily on Okinawa. And the Marine Corps Installations Pacific provides oversight of Marine Corps installations not only in Japan, but in Hawaii, Japan, and the Republic of Korea. And basically, it, has, it too has two air stations, 10 camps with housing areas, and they have a total number of Marines in Japan is 18,000 Marines. Okay, so right there, we're already at 20,000 troops, folks, sitting there with these bases. In addition, it's a great naval base, all right? So you have the commander of Naval Forces Japan. Uh, He has his base there with 6,000 personnel, and they maintain and operate the port facilities and provide, provide base and logistic support for surface, subsurface, aviation, and amphibious elements of the U.S. 7th Fleet. You also have the commander of the U.S. 7th Fleet there, since you have all these facilities, and it's under the operational control of the commander of the Pacific Fleet, which has 13,000 sailors, 18 ships, and 100 airplanes. Okay, They all operate out of Japan. Then we have the 5th Air Force, and it supports the defense of Japan and basically promotes broader Asian-Pacific security by running sorties all over the whole area, having the ability to take control of the airspace, and they even have some cyberspace operations uh, you know, working in that whole area mm-hmm. as well. Now, so that gives you a little idea of what's there. Now, I'm sure, folks, that we have missile defense systems protecting our bases in Japan. But here's my concern. If a conflict were to break out in the region, say between, uh, you know, well, with the U.S. and any of our enemies there in the area, you can see that as a strategic target, Japan is huge. It is absolutely huge. And our military bases there would be the number one target. If I was an enemy, that would be the first thing I'd go after is to try and knock out those air and sea facilities there in Japan. So when you have some nutcase like this guy in North Korea lobbing missiles over it and showing that he has the capability of hitting them, now we have a real problem, okay? And bear in mind, China and North Korea and Russia are all locking hands together over in that area. So this, my friends, is the reason why the recent missile launches coming out of North Korea are, uh, should be of grave concern to all of us here in the U.S., so that's that's my two cents worth there, buddy. You know, and, and again, it's something that, you know, it gets just a little blip on the, on the eighth page of the news. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, a couple of rockets got fired over Japan. Well, I guarantee you, you know, our military is taking a hard look at at just exactly what's going on and what that means. Is is it that uh, North Korea is essentially taunting? not only Japan, but the United States, to see just exactly how they'll react. And normally, what do we do? When we have a situation like that, we'll send a carrier group in. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll have a presence. Uh, certainly, you have to be very careful if you're talking uh, what side of Japan. Mm-hmm. 
if you're in the uh, you know Sea of Japan, that's probably a little different than if you're on the other side, on the uh, uh, eastern side of that uh, particular island. Mm-hmm. But you know, what do we do at this particular point, and how do we address this situation to uh, truly make these folks understand that you know what? Uh, we're not uh, we're not real happy with what's going on, and uh, as far as things go, uh, we may very well decide at some point that uh, you know we're going to do something. Uh, what could we do? I mean, it, it, in in all uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, what could we do that would send a clear cut message to these folks that guess what? If you keep this up, we're going to intervene right and uh, uh, then do we sit there and potentially think about the fact that uh, this could be world war three that we're uh, we're sitting on and, and you know we've talked about this in a lot of different uh, arenas mm-hmm. russia ukraine mm-hmm. exactly uh china taiwan uh, north korea japan mm-hmm. and so it's almost like any direction you go and and what's interesting about all of this i'm just curious where does the Middle East play in any of this? Uh, are, are they sitting on the sidelines watching, seeing how uh, they could possibly get involved? And you don't think with the Middle East that there would be any involvement. But but look at how things have progressed over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, the Chinese were our allies during World War II. Mm-hmm. The Japanese were our enemies. And now the... Uh, Just the opposite. The, the whole situation has, uh, has switched. So uh, I guess... You know, what do you do? How do you how do you view this in a way uh, that we could essentially send some sort of a message while at the same time not provoking countries like Russia, countries like China? Uh, what do you do? How do you this how do you is, make sense here? You're, you're dead on again, KB, in that, uh, you know, you know me, I, I always like to compare what happened in the past. Well, I, you know, I sit there and watch these scenarios and I think to myself, has Tokyo and Japan become the new Pearl Harbor. Uh In other words, think about it. There's all those facilities. So if you were going to attack us, you know, if you could, if you could do a first strike on, on Tokyo and on our bases there, our military there, now all of a sudden, you know, you've opened up a can of worms, we reciprocate, and now you've got this proxy war where you have not only North Korea, but you've got China and Japan to, or China and, and Russia to contend with. Then you brought up it in your insights dead on because of the comparisons. Then you bring up the issue of what about the Middle East? What are they doing there? Well, think about that. In World War II, what happened was is it was kind of flip-flopped. We had to dis- make the decision to take care of Europe first and go after Hitler. In the meantime, we let Japan just run roughshod over all of Asia. Think if it was on the flip side of this to where we weren't turned around and concentrated on a conflict in, in the Pacific against our Asian enemies, and at the same time, you now turn around and have Russia go and talk to their buddies in Iran and Afghanistan and say, launch a conflict. Now what we have is we've got the same situation where, okay, do we concentrate on the Pacific and ignore what's happening in the Middle East and let those guys expand and have whatever they want? A two-front war is a key strategy. It has been since ancient times. If you can put your enemy to where they're fighting in two different places, and even with the technology and the advancements we have today, for us to carry on a conflict in Asia and, say, the Middle East at the same time, we would have some real problems. And so your your insight there about the Middle East 
um, you know, if you have these alliances, particularly with China and Russia, with the Middle East and their allies there, they could they could really give us some real headaches by provoking a conflict there at the very same time that, say, China decides they want to take Taiwan. Mm. And so when you play these kind of war games, you know, it, there's a lot that goes that, that's involved in this. And again, you know, I had a real good friend I worked with when I was working in the in emergency management field, and he uh, was a colonel in the Air Force, and he used to do war games. Uh, out of Belgium, of all places, modern-day war games. And it was fascinating to listen to him talk about how they played these things out. Well, it's interesting. I mean, look at the problems Russia is having with Ukraine at this point. Mm -hmm. We talk about involving someone in the two-front war. I don't necessarily know that the Russians would be as um, apt to get involved as, uh, say, maybe... uh, China, because China's not really involved in a whole lot in terms of any conflict. They're just kind of flexing their muscle when it comes to what's going on down in Taiwan, making sure that the United States understands, well, you know, we sent Hillary Clinton over there. Right. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Nancy Pelosi. Nancy, yeah. And uh, <laughs> so there you go. Uh-huh. Caller, good morning here on The Daily Show. Go right ahead. Good morning. Good morning. It was good to see you yesterday. Mom loved it. Also, <laughs> though, do we... <laughs> Do we really have a good enough strong force to hold all these people back with the lust? You know, we don't have people coming in and saying, I want to be a soldier or Navy guy anymore. So are we strong enough to deal with all of this? Well, I think that's a great question. You know, um, you know, we rely on technology with our advanced weapons, with our uh, nuclear capabilities and with our Air Force um, but boy, you know, it's limited. It, and, and again, the best way to handle that is, is to divide it. You know, if we can throw everything in one place, you, nobody can defeat you. But if you're trying to face a conflict worldwide, yeah, you, you're exactly right. This would be, this would be a huge issue. And, you know, KB brought up a great point. Uh, in World War II, our allies were the Chinese and our enemies were the Japanese. And now it's flipped. Well, if let's say a worldwide conflict broke out again, who would side with who? Wouldn't that be fascinating to see, you know, what countries, you know, like oil-producing countries, et cetera, who would they side with? So that's a great question, you know. And it is a great question, and I, I don't have an easy answer for you. You know, the, the big one is the, the, the threat of nuclear arms, and, you know, nobody wants to see that. But... You know, it only takes one, and and all hell would break loose. So, yeah, yeah. a lot of big questions. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate the call. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Appreciate you listening there in, in St. Louis, expanding our reach outside of the lake area. And we uh, certainly appreciate uh, your patronage. Of course, we've got uh, that nice lady and uh, the one and only Mom Paisley mm-hmm. that's joining us here this morning. So, uh, again, 573-633-5395. I I guess at this point, you just kind of let North Korea go until they do something stupid. Right. Which, you know, uh, that's the problem. The current leadership in that country uh, is all about themselves. They've got huge egos. They're arrogant as all get out. And that may very well 
end up being the problem. Uh, or they do something as, uh, as a means of getting our attention, but at the same time, it's something that goes horribly wrong. And, and you've got, you know, somebody like uh, Kim Il-sung who's, who's sitting there, you know, like I say, he's dependent on Russia and China for food. Yeah. And so they have the hammer over him to say, you know what, take one of those missiles and lob one over Japan. You know, it, I mean, is he making the decisions on his own or is he, uh, you know, playing the game, you know, to say, yeah, you know, I, I don't have a problem with that because I know that any retaliation is going to bring in my big brothers in to, to try and stomp a mud hole in this thing. Right, yeah. And so, you know, it, it, it's interesting it, 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 and it's, it's so fascinating to me because I think all the way back to the times of the American Revolution and the reason why the British weren't able to really put the hammer on us is there was nothing to capture. Now, I want you to think about that. We didn't have any big military bases. We didn't have all of our troops concentrated in one spot. Uh, you know, capturing a city meant nothing. You could capture Philadelphia. Now all you got is a bunch of people sitting there that you're going to have to feed and try and keep under control. So it's when you build these facilities, when things like what we have in Tokyo, those are targets. Okay, And I'm sure China has targets that we've picked out. But when you tar start talking about uh, trying to, uh, to specifically go after any particular country, there has to be something to capture. Well, you know, Afghanistan was a good example. You know, they're all hunting out of caves and everything. There, there weren't any big military fortresses that you could wipe out and win the war. Uh, North Korea very similar you know i mean so there's a lot of things from a strategic standpoint that you have to take into consideration the other thing you have to think about is if china gets involved with their navy and all we have those people sitting there all of our folks there in japan who are counting on supplies coming in yeah well you know the one of the best military strategies you can have is to cut off the supply line and again, this goes back to what you were saying, KB. If we're having to supply forces on two sides of the planet, that becomes a huge issue. Um, it's not just, you know, boots on the ground. It's all the support activities that have to go with that. Right. And so, you know, it, I just found it to be a very interesting topic. And like I say, I hesitated to do it today, but it frustrated me that in the national news, they don't give you this information. We haven't heard anything out of the Middle East. No. We haven't heard anything really out of uh, China no. in a while. Everything in Afghanistan must be going well. Uh, yes, yes. You know, the Syrian civil war that's killed a half a million people, I Absolutely. guess that's, that's done. Absolutely. You know, I mean, isn't it, you know, what about Assad and all those guys? You don't hear anything, do you? No. And so, you know, it it is. It's That's my greatest fear, folks, is that we sit here and we get so wrapped around the axle about you know, local politics and, you know, and, and, you know, the election coming up, it's important. But by the same token, the things that are happening in the world, keep an eye on it. Tune in to his uh, weekly podcast as well. Actually, we played for you a couple of times during the week, the True History Professor podcast, as well as his uh, appearances at uh, 910 on Wednesday mornings. And go to the website, truehistoryprofessor.com, to keep up with the true history professor himself, the one and only Jim Paisley. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Tomorrow morning, we've got Mindy Sales. We've got Danny Ellison. You never know who might pop into the Daily Show. And we hope that you will join us yet again starting at 8 a.m. on 89.3 KEYK Osage Beach, Missouri. It is a great day to be